patience. Patience is for the birds. Uh, Jim and Mary Bird were really good friends of mine. <laughs> they lived one floor down in the apartment complex where I lived when I was in seminary. And they were very, very patient with me. I would have parties in my apartment and friends would come over for late night conversations. Midnight, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, we'd be traipsing around the apartment, talking, arguing, discussing theology, church politics, seminary politics, gossip of the university, all the good juicy details that go with living in an academic community in a university setting like that and being part of a church and supposed to be training to become leaders in the church, ha-ha. And so we just like to get together and talk and discuss all those fine juicy details and we would go until one, two, three o'clock and sometimes we'd be laughing and sometimes we'd be singing and sometimes we'd just making so much noise we would actually have complaints from people across the hall, people downstairs, catty corner across the building. But, but Jim and Mary Bird who lived right beneath me, they were patient. Patient, patient, patient. I'm not patient. Not by nature. Now, patience comes as a gift from God, and I suppose over the years I've been graced with more and more measures of patience, but by nature, I'm not a patient person. When I was a kid, there was nothing worse than having to wait for Christmas to come. It seemed like Christmas took absolutely forever. Slow as Christmas had meaning back then. I can remember being, a, as a kid, we, we would count down the days to Christmas in the season of Advent with this wonderful Advent calendar. And all it was was a strip of felt material that had buttons tied to it for all the days from the beginning of Advent through Christmas Eve. And there was a bell at the bottom. And it was hung on the wall in my room. And every day we would, at night before going to bed, we'd untie a button and take it off, representing that we had gotten through that day of Advent. And as the season progressed, we take off a button after a button after a button, and it seemed to take forever to get from the top down towards the bottom. For some reason, summers flew by, but this season, December took forever. I couldn't wait for it to get there. In fact, one year I decided I'd try to speed it up by taking off some extra buttons as if that might help. See, Mom, we're getting there faster. Uh-uh, sorry, don't work. Put them back on. Then we come to Christmas Eve. We go to Christmas Eve services. We go to the late service. You go there late, stay late. It'd be interesting because at the end of the service, they would be wishing us Merry Christmas because it would now be Christmas morning, still just after midnight. It's now Christmas morning, but it was exciting. It was magical. It was holy. It was wonderful. And we'd go home, and Dad would say, you know, before we left to go to the Christmas Eve service, we heard Troy Duncan say that he had Santa's um, reindeer and sleigh on the radar. You better get to bed. And so we'd go upstairs, and we'd take that last button off with great excitement. Shaking with excitement, we'd ring the bell and then dive into our beds to try to sleep. Christmas morning would come. My brother would wake me up, bouncing up and down on the bed. Get up, Greg, get up, Greg, come on. Santa's been here, Santa's been here. Woo! 
excitement, run out into the hall, and the doors closed into the living room. And we were told, we can't go in yet. But we knew Santa had been there. We could see through the grill of the air vent, we could see the, the lights of the Christmas tree glowing and twinkling. We knew Santa had been there. <laughs> but Mom says, no, you can't go in yet. Turns out later I found out that Mother was waiting for the coffee to finish brewing. I mean, come on, Mom! Can't we just go mob the tree and you can wait for your coffee? No, we all have to wait. Wait. Wait! I don't like waiting. I'm not a very patient person. We don't live in a very patient society. We want everything and we want it right now. Even before we're ready. We want it right now, this very instant. And yet there was great excitement with waiting. I remember those days of December from my childhood because it was exciting to wait. I remember that morning, a Christmas morning, waiting to run into the living room, knowing Santa had been there, knowing it was all ready. And I remember it because it was so exciting. Hmm. Do not ignore this one fact, beloved Peter writes, that the day of the Lord, that with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. When you're a kid, waiting for Christmas feels like waiting a thousand years times 24. Why is it so true that as an adult, time seems to fly? We just got done with Christmas, didn't we? Didn't we just get done with Christmas, Mark? Just seems like yesterday we were finished with Christmas. And it's here again. The season of Advent is here again. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Did you hear that? God is patient. God is patient. The return of the Lord has been delayed. Why? Because God doesn't want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. God loves us all and doesn't want any to perish. That's why there's a delay. That's why we're waiting. That's why it seems as though it's thousands of years, and in fact it's been 2,000 years years. The Lord is patient with you. Patient? God, can't you see what's going on down here? War and rumor of war, famine and violence and hatred and bigotry and racism and sin everywhere. My God, what are you waiting for, God? Come on down now. We need you to clean up our mess. Yeah. Sometimes that's what it feels like, doesn't it? No. No. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, 
and the earth and everything that is done in it will be disclosed. That's why we wait. We wait because we're not ready. We wait because the world isn't ready. We wait because God doesn't want any to perish, but all to repent, all to change, all to be transformed, all to receive the love of God, all to receive the grace of Jesus. That's why we wait. Not for God to come and fix our messes, but for God's grace to move into our lives to transform our messes, to make us ready to enter the kingdom. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved and the elements melt with fire. But in accordance with His promise, we wait for new heavens and new earth where righteousness is at home. What sort of persons are we called to be? What kind of lives are we called to live? Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, Strive to be found by Him at peace. Oops. Oops. Peace? Strive to be found by God at peace? You mean we've got to be at peace with each other? Yeah. We can't even do that in the church. And we expect it in the world? Strive to be found by Him at peace, without spot or blemish. Double oops. In the United Methodism, we have a doctrine called sanctification, in which we proclaim that God's grace comes to us not just to forgive us and declare us not guilty, but over time to transform us so that we become more and more and more like Christ Jesus our Lord, more and more the kind of people that God has called us to be, more and more members of the kingdom of God. That's like burning away, refining, cleansing, purifying. The grace of God does this for us and within us, and it takes time to purify. It takes time to refine. It takes time to cleanse. We're called to be at peace. We're not at peace. We're called to be without spot or blemish. And we are a spotty and blemished people in need of purifying, in need of cleansing, in need of the grace of God. And regard the patience, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Some of the renderings of this throughout the centuries in the hand-copied versions vary that slightly. Sometimes it says, regard the patience of our Lord as our salvation, 
or your salvation. It's more direct. It's more immediate. The patience of the Lord is for our deliverance. We are in need of refining. And that's what Advent is about. It's a time of waiting. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of being made ready. It's a time of refinement. When God is going to take us and purify us and strip out the impatience and strip out the lack of peace and strip out the blemishes and replace it with the peace and purity and glory of God. In the season of Advent, we prepare for the coming of the Lord. We prepare to see Him anew in our lives and anew in this world, transforming its brokenness, binding up its wounds through us, speaking a word of peace and being a peaceful people. We live in a nation and in a world that is rife with war and anger and bitterness and distrust and sin. It is filled with bigotry and oppression, racism, denial of humanity. We live in a nation and in a world that so needs the gospel of peace, that so needs the message of the advent, that so needs the presence of the Christ child to transform it, to remold it and remake it into a new heaven and a new earth. And it begins with us. It begins with you, with me, with us. Are you ready for the Christ child to come and refine your life, transform your existence? Are you ready for the Christ child to come and make you a peaceful people again? That's what these days are about. That's what today is about. That's what next Sunday is about. That's what the Sunday after next is about. It is a time of getting ready to participate in the kingdom of peace. Let us be open to the grace of God to transform us, to purify us, to make us whole again, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world proclaiming the good news until Christ comes in final victory. And we feast at the heavenly banquet. Today, as we come to the table of the Lord, receive the grace and allow it to transform your living into the image of Christ anew. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And now, Almighty God, have mercy on you and forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, holy creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of glory. You sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the darkness of our world to be our light and our salvation, the light of your love and holy presence. With humility and yet in great power, Christ took on our flesh in the form of a child in order to live and grow as one of us in weakness and strength he showed forth your love and followed your call, even to death upon a cross for the sake of our sins. Then you raised him from the dead to reign with you in glory and promised his return to us in power to bring us up into your everlasting kingdom. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come. 
Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory, and we feast at his heavenly banquet. By Christ and with Christ and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. The disciples knew the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. And when we give thanks over the cup, we receive in you the wonderful grace of Jesus our Lord, which purifies us, cleanses us, forgives us, empowers us for ministry together. listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of the First United Methodist Church in Commerce, Texas, and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information and for other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at First United Methodist Church, 1709 Highway 24, Commerce, Texas, 75428. This program was produced by Dr. Greg Neal.